Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Corporate culture matters. How management chooses to treat its people impacts everything for better or for worse. These words spoken by Simon Sinek speaks heavily not only to the corporate culture, but I think cultural in general. And if there's one thing that we've seen from the Vancouver Canucks organization and how they have chosen to treat their people and it's the impact can explain why this team is getting a whole lot worse. 6.5% was it? Is, is that what the current odds are of the Stanley Cup? Well, and you, if you look at the round-by-round round progression, the Stanley Cup favorite is uh-huh. the Vancouver Canucks. Like, what a time to be alive! I- Talking you through every goalie controversy, scoring slump, and draft lottery bust, this is the C4 Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Here they are, the best starting lineup we could afford under the salary cap. Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Welcome to another episode of the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com. I am Chris at Lightforce, joined virtually by Anna Forsyth at a Forsyth 3 She is back in the country, which shocks me considering the events that have transpired over the past week. Um, you know, I tried to portray it as if you, you ran away from the bad news, but you came back to some really bad news. But welcome yeah. back, Anna. Thank you. I promise I didn't cause it. I don't think. I don't think my return was part of the reason Bruce Bruder got fired. But well, I mean, I the way Jim Rutherford tell, tells it, I mean, single-handedly, C four and our speculation, amongst the speculation of others, is the reason why a decision had to be made. Funny enough, Rick Dockett just happened to be in town. And I think it was someone on Twitter that had said, must have been here for a softball game or something like that. Because the decision that got made wasn't intended to be made then. Like, oh, my God, we're getting into it already. And it just yeah. blows my mind how unbelievable. I mean, the Vancouver Canucks organization happens to be, but just hockey culture, this old boys club, the fraternity, the code, and how – 
how this all went down is somehow the fault of the media, the fault of the fans. Ugh, it's, it is, yeah, it's, it's just terrible. It really speaks to lashing out when you're in the wrong. Um, that's what it seems to be. Um, yeah, there's been many times over the years, the Jim Benning years, um, the Tank Commander Willie years, whatever, like the we struggled, you know, like with um, the Canucks and the direction they were going. But I don't think I've ever been as embarrassed of them before as I am right now. And to be clear, I'm not embarrassed to be a fan of the Canucks because I did nothing wrong. <laughs> um, well, you, I'm not going to make left, myself. You left me in the <laughs> podcast's time of need, Anna. I did. I did do that. So I did something wrong, but not a lot. Like, I'm not embarrassed to be a hockey fan, but I'm embarrassed of this team's behavior. That's for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you could probably guess what we're going to be talking about for the bulk of the show. It's it's ultimately what took place, what transpired uh, Sunday, this past weekend, um, but everything that had led up to it. Because honestly, I don't even remember how the Vancouver Canucks performed over the course of the week. I know they lost pretty much every game. Um but that's that's neither here nor there. It's it's the worst kept secret that apparently the speculation of media and fans helped deliver upon, and that was the dismissal of one Bruce Boudreau. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about your thoughts on on the conference that introduced Rick Tockett and the new coaching staff. We'll talk about what this future might hold and of course everything else that is wrong in the nhl because holy smokes uh there's a whole lot of crazy going on right now but uh let's wind this podcast back up and rewind a little bit i think it was approximately two weeks ago when the suggestion was rick tockett's going to be coming to vancouver bruce boudreau is likely done um, specific dates were, were started, started to be shared. Um, uh, the belief was that, oh, you know, there's some finer details being ironed up, but that it's a done deal. And ultimately this, this past weekend, uh, the Vancouver Canucks played a back to back Friday and Saturday at home. And on Sunday morning, Bruce was called into the office. Jim's Patrick's who knows, and, uh, was advised that his services are no longer required. And, you know, if, if that's all this was, I don't think too many people are upset. There would be some who'd be like, no, Bruce Boudreau, great coach, never really got a good opportunity. But at the end of the day, and I think even Bruce himself said it early on in his tenure, he's only here as long as they want to keep him. And I mean, you, you've heard the saying, Anna, a coach is hired to get fired. Like that's... <laughs> Yeah, that's not I mean, new. No, and uh, as much as we can debate whether they should be trying to win games or not, um, the fact of the matter is Bruce wasn't winning. Like they were going the wrong direction down the standings, in at least in ownership's opinion. So they made the decision to get rid of Bruce. Not wait till the end of the season. And they could be going from paying two coaches to paying zero coaches. Um, they decided to get rid of Bruce. Okay, that's your decision. They're in theory paying for three coaches now because Travis is still on the books. Yeah, exactly. Now it's three because it could have – it was two. Now it's three. Um, 
but yeah, you know, coaches get hired and fired all the time. Um, what is it like two thirds of the time, maybe three quarters of the time, there's another coach lined up. They don't go interim, they go second coach. And no one's like under any illusions that they've just really quickly talked to him in the last week or whatever. No one's under that. But like Patrick Olveen and Jim Rutherford were throwing Bruce under the bus since October. Well, and Bruce was asked, so he was on uh, Sirius XM uh, radio earlier today, was being Monday as we're recording. And he was asked sort of, you know, his thoughts. And one of the things he had said is, well, he's still in our contract. Um, So it's a delicate situation. It's not something he's going to get into until such time as he can. Smart guy. But he did say, he did answer. He's like, well, you know, like, did you have a a sense that this might be happening? And he's like, "Uh, you could probably say since October. And, you know, I don't think that that's an incredulous statement for him to make when your your president of hockey operations joined Scott Oak on After Hours, like the first, was it Hockey Night in Canada the season or whatever, and is asked like, hey, how come you guys didn't extend Bruce? And he's like, well, we did. Sorry, what? Bruce had an option on his contract. That's not an extension. And like time and time again, the front office did not back their head coach. I, I I talked to Faber about this, and I think to Jay, mm-hmm. I don't mind that Jim Rutherford is direct and transparent because it is it is a drastic shift from the world of mm, Trader Jim Benning. But transparency and being direct is not an excuse for poor human decency. And for anyone out yeah. there saying, Chris, it's a business. You're right, it is. But how you operate your business requires you to treat people with respect. And not to mention that, like, yeah, it's a business. But one, if you if your boss was selling you down the river in a huge all-staff meeting, you would be oh. upset. But it's not just any old business. It's like, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of people watching every day. Like, I, I was just floored when there were some both within the Canucks organization, but then a handful of people within this meal here that were somehow trying to portray Bruce as, as being the party who did the biggest disservice to the entire situation. I don't understand how, like, I mean, yeah, you know what? Did he embrace sort of his final games as he could? He did. Um, was he being maybe a little more candid in his you know press conferences? He sure was. But does that, if, if Honestly, he doesn't do I that, does that change anything? Such restraint on his part. He could have gone like way off and he didn't. Oh. Like he could have said, you know, this is not how you should be treated. Um, he could have walked out the door. That's another thing. He could have left. He didn't. No. And I mean, he, I mean, I, I had a situation once um, in my professional life where I had, I had reached a point where I'm like, I'm done. I am quitting. I am, I, I'm not, I'm not paid anywhere near enough to be denigrated publicly. Um, like I was just done. And I had a, a former leader who I respected who said, Chris, why would you make it that easy upon them? Because you don't, she's like, I'm not telling you not to quit. Like if it's a bad situation, you get yourself yeah. out of there, but you make sure you have something else lined up. But second of all, they win. They win because they 
if they don't want you around, you just made it easy. And if you can sort of, you know, batten those hatches as best as you can, find that stepping stone, find that, you know, point to jump to, you make sure you look out for yourself. But if at the end of the day, you got to go, you got to go, you pull that chute, you jump. I appreciate that because instead of me quitting, I was paid to go away. Mm-hmm. And that allowed for me additional time to find a much better role. And so like, what did Bruce do? I mean, he said it himself. I keep coming to work until they tell me to stop. And guess yeah. what? They unfortunately said to stop. I, but again, how this whole situation unfolded is you had your your president of hockey operations who apparently is the guy in charge. Like if, if Patrick Alvin is the one making any of the decisions here, um, I may offer to eat my shorts. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, um, I will say, like, you can, maybe they don't care what we think. We're just podcasters. Maybe they don't care about, like, what paying fans think. But it's a bad situation there with the players. They were Bruce guys through and through. But, like, I'm sure they're going to be professional. Like, of course, they're going to do their jobs. But um, it's just such a poor decision. Even if you're looking at them as assets. Like, not Mm -hmm. even people, just assets. Like, they're not going to perform as well. They're not going to want to stick around if you treat um, coaches so poorly. Yeah, I, you know, and, and what's really untoward about all of this is the impact it will have on this team down the road. Now, again, they were able to go and hire Rick Tockett, who I have to ask you this, Anna, was Rick Tockett such a hot commodity that the Vancouver Canucks had to make the decision right now to ensure that no other team were to go and grab this coach who has who has a phenomenal winning record as a professional in the coaching uh, head coaching side. I mean, if you look at his entire coaching career, which I have not, I'll admit, I have not maybe gone to see that he's had quote unquote winning record, uh, but he certainly hasn't as a head coach. Now his team, you know, made themselves an opportunity in the playoffs once uh, the Coyotes. Got to the playoffs, got that playoff money. They beat Nashville. And for anyone out there who's like, you got to make it to the playoffs to have a chance. Yeah, good luck. Um, Faber last week had said getting in to actually win is so infinitesimally small as an opportunity that it makes no sense. It's the way you go. Yeah. But, you know, how is it that the Vancouver Canucks could not have said, hey, we're going to make a decision at the end of the season. Right. And if you have to, if, if you have to pull the cord to shake things up, you let Bruce go. Like there were so many different ways the Vancouver Canucks organizationally could handle this, but no, Anna, it was us as fans in the media who speculated so significantly on all of this that just forced Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine to make the decision they did because it had absolutely nothing to do with Jim Rutherford publicly on national TV many times. Yeah. Throw his head coach under the bus. Like, when was the last time you heard a, a guy in charge saying, yeah, I've been making phone calls to other coaches. I'm always looking to, to make, you know, talk to other coaches and, and see who's available. Oh, that's a real ringing endorsement of the guy you got on your bench. Yeah. But I you mean, then back up by saying, well, he's the coach today, isn't he? Oh, cool. 
man, I feel safe. Torch, I'm going to sleep tonight. It's a torts approach, but I do think it's way worse to do it to a coach as a general manager. But time and time again, we're coming up against this idea from management um, that being in a hockey town with an active, engaged press and engaged fans is a bad thing. It's like, you're lucky we still care. You're lucky we're speculating well, about the coaches. And it, that shouldn't matter. That's always going to happen. Just don't talk about it publicly. Don't engage with the speculation. Well, even even if you choose to engage, be smart about the engagement. If like, it, It's interesting how the press conference started off. You know, Jim Rutherford started with a, a, an apology of some sort, and he kept talking. And it went from, I'm sorry this happened because you consider him to a friend, but gosh darn it, it was all your fault. Oh, yeah. okay. Like, certainly and it was. Was it Olveen saying that he had no idea what oh, like, gosh. he was talking about with a negative reaction? Like, it's you know, not just, like, the fans, it's not just, like, on Twitter. It's, like, around the league. It's players around the league. Like, that's when you know you messed up. Remember when we had, you know, Frankie on the show and at, at the end of his, his, his conversation with us, he himself had said, Vancouver Canucks fans are extremely intelligent. He's like, they will go deep dive into a rabbit hole and they will pull out charts and stats. You need yeah. to understand they are intelligent. I think across the league, there's this perception that Canucks fans are, are just, we're, we're fair weather fans that go with the way the wind's blowing. I mean... You know, someone who who used to be um, an active member of our Discord, um, Bearded Connect, Sean, uh, he was commenting how it's like, yeah, uh, the people are just you know repeating and parroting and all of that, as if if this many people don't see it the same way, they can't have their own opinion. I've ha- I've held longstanding opinions about the Cucks. I've been accused about being so negative, but what was interesting to me though is how when you look across media throughout the NHL. Players on other teams, people of other teams are like, man, those Canucks fans, they got it rough. And look, they're, they're smart. Like why, why not accept that the fans are intelligent? Like, I I feel that the, the Canucks are running in this like mindset of somehow they can magically say things and, and we accept it and oh, we'll just throw the media. It's like the fake news, um, you know, conversation. And this may upset some people, but it kind of feels like the Vancouver Canucks PR approach is in line with Fox News. Um, is that Rick Tockett's favorite news program? Hey, I I don't know. He deleted his Twitter account, so I can't tell you what he may or may not have liked and screenshots are not forever. <laughs> yeah, the internet is not written in pencil. It's written in ink. Rick Tockett, remember that. And yeah, it's just like, this is not the market to be messing around in. Um, but, but they but you, messed around uh, with us. And I honestly haven't seen bad feeling from the fans so universally well, in a it, long time. Like, we, we talk about the uni- unification of the Smelosphere. And if there's something that occurred, it's that Bruce Boudreaux, whether you felt he was a good coach or not, whether you felt... Um, a change was necessary, mattered very little because where the unification started to take place was how you were treating the person and the individual. Because, you know, back to that earlier point that we've raised, how many different options do the Vancouver Canucks have in front of them? And they chose violence. Like, And not only that, they self-inflicted the violence. They then tried to g- blame it on someone else, 
while they were yeah. like broadcasting it nationally. And, yeah. and it simply accepted us to, to roll over and say, yeah, okay. But I, something you had mentioned earlier about how us being a passionate fan based and an engaged media is a bad thing. The Vancouver Canucks have been fortunate because in times of the, of an apathetic fan base and an apathetic, you know, media, which has existed in Vancouver, I will not deny it. No other sort of professional sports franchise has really risen to grasp what the Canucks simply assume right. as theirs. Like, could you imagine if a, a franchise like the Vancouver Whitecaps or the BC Lions or some of these other professional sports franchises were to bottle some of this success that they periodically have, but do so in such a way that allows for them to embrace despondent sports fans? Yeah. And I think, you know, the BC Lions had a decent crack at it. Like, people really cared about the well, Lions this year. You know, but like the thing, like if we go years back, like the Vancouver Whitecaps and the BC Lions were at times more popular than the Vancouver Canucks. Have to mm. go back quite some time. You're right. This past season, the BC Lions did better, and I feel with the local owner that they have, who is in his mind, I need to serve the community. I need to get out there and talk to people and embrace them and bring them more of what they want and engage the fans and the people where they are. Like the Vancouver Canucks talk about, we are all Canucks. I am embarrassed. Sometimes I would rather you say we're all Bruce. Like <laughs> I mean, that would have been a better campaign. And you touched on ownership there. Um, I did hit like, I mean, friend of the show favor, like he, they were having a discussion on Canucks Conversation today about ownership and the culture that ownership brings. And I do like agree that um, they're at the root of a lot of problems, but I really don't think that we should let Rutherford and Alvin and the whole oh, no, it, group it, off that lightly and say, oh yeah, it's a directive from ownership. Like the way they've talked about Bruce and handled the situation, they've got to take ownership responsibility mm -hmm. for um even if the like you know sign off um came from ownership even if the directives come from ownership to be like the direction they're going in yeah the, but the thing about ownership and you know you're right you know, I'm, i don't think frankie was the reason bruce got fired this weekend necessarily uh, well, maybe he was, um, because the rumor is that they wanted to make a shift last season and ownership said, no, the green light did not become green until recently, but what has been consistent throughout this dark period of time? Cause it has been dark. I mean, we were, we were talking to Yerke last season when he joined us. Um, and you know, he, he, eloquently described how the dark times were often the Messier years, the Keenan years, but that was just like two seasons, really two, three seasons. Mm. We've had a decade of this and you take the bubble out of the picture. That's yeah. three times longer than the dark times. And what's scarier is, is you hear this from this dressing room, which, okay, yeah, it might be the situation and maybe the change of scenery, new coach sorts that out. Petey, when asked about this, yeah, the guys like Bruce. I like Bruce personally. He has been great for my game. If you're a Canucks fan and you hear your 
star player, your future, who's coming into a restricted free agent period, describe how you've gone and done something to a coach that he likes personally and has done a lot for his career. I hope Rick Tockett comes in and like whispers sweet nothings in PD's ear nonstop because you, your, your star player has an ability to create an exit, whether on his own timeline, as we've now seen what can happen when a restricted free agent starts pulling some, some strings or when that deal's done and off they go. Like, it is scary. You've got uh, Quinn Hughes, who your new head coach is described as not being the type of defenseman you can win with. Which is just an insane take. Right? Um, but but, but this, this, is, this is so concerning. And, I mean, we're going to get into it a little bit later in the show as to the future. I don't want to sort of get us there because, you know, <clears throat> we're still dealing with the impact of, of this, this loss of Bruce and how he was treated. But I think it just really is the epitome of how the the culture in the Vancouver Canucks organization is is rotten. Yeah, and um, I'll say this: I said it in the province um, last weekend. Um, I bought into the new management group. I thought like this is going to take a really long time, but I think these guys are smart. Uh, I didn't know if we would get the rebuild we wanted, but I thought, like, these guys are smart. They're modern, like, we've got um, some great women in the team, and, like, this is going to be, you know, the long road to freedom. And, yeah, I am uh, so far away from that hope now. Well, and you know what? It's it's interesting because, yeah, you rewind the show. I've said much the same. Like, okay, hey, Jim Rutherford, but he's bringing in some – some new ideas, new people. There's some progressiveness to this. They're talking about making changes. Okay. I, I, I can, I can go with this. And again, I think if what happens to Bruce still happens, but this happens in a way that treats the individual as a person, as a human, Maybe I'm not entirely upset. I'm, I'm, I'm just, it, it just reinforces what we've seen, what is wrong within, within the context of hockey culture, which is an issue that we've spoken up, you know, at length. Uh, it's, it's indicative of a, a, an organizational culture that, that again, I, I, I'll admit I see from the outside, but hey, I'm a fan. I am a paying customer or I had been in the past. You know, it's not my job to, accept or believe in what it is you say it is your job to convince me as to what you say is true. And, and while, you know, that may be tough as a, 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 an organization to accomplish doing what they did this past weekend and the past few weeks goes a long way in the wrong direction. Like I, Mm -hmm. I've, I've said this on the show before I am willing to accept a poor experience so long as I can see that the focus is on the customer. Like I, I mean, I, I, I New Year's Eve, we ordered uh, some, some takeout from a, a family run Chinese food restaurant in Crescent beach. We put in our order and they're like, Oh, it's good. It's so busy. It's going to be three hours. Like no problem. We get it. You're busy. We've heard good things about this place. We'll wait three hours later. I show up to pick up still not ready. Very apologetic. No worries. And I can see they're busy. And then I'm, I'm listening to people come in and just trash the, the young girl who's, you know, managing the mm. front. And, and she's, she's being 
empathetic. She's trying to engage. She's trying to find different ways. She's like, yeah, we'll deliver it to you for free or we'll do this or we'll do that. And I'm, I'm witnessing this and I'm sitting here thinking like, what more could be done? You could say, oh, well, they could have the food ready. They could have more staff, what have you. Like it's as a, you know, magically yeah. make people appear. But for me, that went a long way to witness that experience and the entire time I'm sitting there, they continue to say, look, oh, I'm so sorry. Like we can deliver it to you. No, I'm here. Like save you the trouble. I don't mind waiting. Um, they, they're trying to offer me like beverages and I'm like, no, it's okay. I don't, I'm fine. I'm, 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 I'm okay with this. But after we get my order, I go home. The next time we go back, Hey, thank you for your patience and understanding last time. Like, that little kindness goes a long way. And the fact that they recognize it, this is the first time we had gone in, second time we went back. And so now extrapolate this and present it to how the Vancouver Canucks could operate the organization is they could go and embrace the community, the fans, like, and at very least, oh yeah, we screwed up. Like, I think, you know what, in that press conference, if Brother said, yeah, we could have handled this differently. We look at a lot of what went down and a lot of mistakes were made. We're going to learn from this. But moving forward, we have a new coach. We've got a new sort of plan in place. I've told you there's going to be major surgery. This is the first of probably many operations. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't know if that fixes the situation, but no, it, doesn't it doesn't make as much, that much but, worse. Uh, yeah. Like instead, they tweet out, thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Trent. Like, and. And I, yeah. Uh, and. Trent I mean, got to let go as well as yeah. part of this. We've and Trent's had a rough go of things between Utica and here, so I hope he finds a better home. Um, yeah, I will say, um, I tweeted out, and I think this is part of just everyone being so upset they couldn't even look at reason. Like, I sort of tweeted out, I believe the person that wrote this tweet, kind of making the point that, like, the person, the one social media person that tweeted, Thank you, Bruce meant it, but I don't believe, you know, there was much compassion coming from the rest of the organization, but like even that had people up in arms. So yeah, it's, I think there's a lot of upset all around yeah. and a the, lot of disengaged you, people. Did you read the Rachel Dory article on the hockey news? Um, no. When was that today? I, it was actually today. I mean, she, she no, essentially said, thank yet. you, Bruce. She, she talked about how, I you mean, know, Bruce embraced Bruce her yeah. and gave this opportunity. And, you know, in the short time that she had an opportunity to work with him, she, you know, took a lot from him. And despite everything that went on in her situation, how sort of Bruce was there checking in. And like, if there's one thing that has been said about Bruce Boudreaux is he was sort of the quote unquote, the player's coach. Um, you know, he's a big guy with a big heart. Like he would, he would do, you know, check-ins constantly talking to players, you know, and, and make comments. And I think, you know, hearing from some of his former players as they sort of pass through Vancouver, like Colleganano, for instance, was asked about this describing how, like, it is so unfair how he is being treated. Like, again, this might be more into the future, but how does this portray the Vancouver Canucks organization to a player who's got, opportunity in front of them. Like we, we often hear players have no, you know, trade lists, no movement uh, lists to teams based on costs and taxes and, and situations and whatnot. If you're a player who's in demand, does Vancouver still stay on your list? I mean, I know. Yeah. There's, we've, 
talked about the like tax situation. I do think it's a mistake when players don't want to go to Canada because of the scrutiny and class act the years. Bruce said that it's a privilege to coach in Canada because you have such an engaged fan base and it was never too much pressure. Yeah. So I do think that's a mistake, but some people feel that. Add on to that this situation like Luke Shen was talking about what makes a good coach and he talked about like yes there's systems yes there's tactics but there's a pretty high bar when it comes to that with NHL coaches anyway it's the personalities Mm -hmm. and the relationships and why would you want to come if you know that your coach could be treated like that well, it's it's not just the coach that gets treated like that. It's it's the indicativeness of others. Yeah. Right. Um, I know there are some who look at the Rachel Dory exit as being her fault. Those are the types of people that I don't think you would convince one way, shape, or form that there's a right way to treat people. Um, it could very well be that the Vancouver Canucks were well within their right to to exit Rachel. I'm of the opinion that they chose a different route. And I would feel that what we just saw with what went down with Bruce reinforcing that. And if it doesn't, it sort of correlates why I might feel that way and why others might feel that way. And again, I'm on the outside looking and I'm not as well connected as players are and, and, and others in, in the industry, but speaking of the industry. So uh, Frank Saravelli was on uh, with, uh, um, uh, I think it was, uh, Sakaris and Price, I think, or yeah, I don't remember. I saw his, I saw the quotes come out. Today. Yeah, and so he he had, he had essentially, and again, I'm thanks to you know Taj 1944. Again, if you think Taj is an insider, I mean, he might be. I don't see Taj as an insider. I see him as a guy who curates all the content. I think I said it on last week's episode too. Guy does a great service. He listens to everything. How I do not know, um, yeah. but he. By sort of following his feed, I get brought up to speed on what's gone down while I'm working. So he, he referred to how um, Sarah Valley was saying that he had on really good authority, crystal clear, impeccable sourcing, that they wanted to make this coaching change months ago, but weren't given the green light. I don't think anyone can really doubt that. Does the family want to pay for three coaches? Because they are now. But then Blake Price retweets that and says, Frank is absolutely right about Boudreaux's perception in the industry. Rutherford even referenced this. Many in the old boys club that run this league are upset that Boudreaux was so publicly upset. So when I, when I saw Blake's comment here, cause again, I hadn't heard the interview. I was curious about this, like talking about the old boys club being upset that he was so publicly upset. Um, interesting. Well, Cam Cole came out and essentially filled in the blanks. His tweet, what the quote old boys are really saying is that when a coach is fired, he should just take it and shut up. They view Boudreaux's show of emotion, that moment lingering to hear the crowd chant as grandstanding. Heaven forbid those responsible should be made uncomfortable. And you know what? All of that is easily avoided if you don't leave your coach out there twisting in the wind. If I'm Bruce, yeah. I'm soaking it in. The, they're okay. There is a reason your fans are supportive of the coach. It's not that they don't understand that the team needs to make a change. They, it's not that they don't understand that Bruce's tenure as a Canuck is likely coming to an end, if not now, some point in the future. Like that, none of that is the issue. It's how they're seeing a 
from what I can tell, a very decent human being being treated so horribly by an organization that has no heart. And I mean, I commented on Twitter, um, you know, the Vancouver Canucks and I, it took me a while to figure this out, but it's just the same in pretty much any sense of the word sport. Sporting organizations do not really care for us as fans. We are data points to them. We drive specific numbers that hit a bottom line based on gate revenue and merchandise purchasing and the concessions and all of that. Um, There is a necessity to ensure that account is kept so that the marketing dollars can be acquired through um, campaigns and the like. How we feel matters not, you know, and it's like what, you know, Dave Pratt used to say, uh, you know, love me, hate me, just listen to me. The Vancouver Canucks do not care so long as we continue to consume and watch. And they have probably done some equations. Eh, you know, we'll get through this. We've had lulls before. Yeah. That's where the apathy is the real risk. And when I when I see stuff about the old boys club, it just reinforces how wrong you and I are about this progressive nature of a Canucks front office. Yeah. I mean, like Blake said to all of that, wow. Like, what do we do with that? We it's so unfeeling um if that's where we're at where like we can't even behave like a sort of human being and i think he was pretty restrained all told what like what are we at this is sports yeah like at the end of the day this is sports this is not war and death and famine like this is sports and yeah He's just a human being, but. Yeah. Um, one final thing in this sort of, you know, revisits the fact that around the league, um, the Vancouver Canucks are not being perceived too well. Um, if there is a positive that may come from this is an understanding that Canucks fans are some of the most engaged in the league. I'm not going to describe us as the most engaged, Um, I'm not naive to think that that is the case. That was at some point in the context of social media. It isn't anymore because all the teams have figured this out now, but gone are the, Oh yeah, these fans don't care. I think people have now realized we do. And the moment that sort of the smelosphere were to understand the power that it possesses through the use of apathy, the more powerful it might become. But I, again, I'm, I described myself to a, a, a guy from uh, Australia who was asking about the Vancouver Canucks. I'm like, I have a love-hate relationship with this team. I'll continue to love hating them or hate loving them for years to come. Um, I have to reason with myself sometimes as to why I do. But if there is one thing that I know now exists today that didn't, yesterday and the day before, so to speak. I don't tune into their games all that frequently. If I don't have to, I catch up afterwards. I don't follow them. I I got other things I'm doing and I'm enjoying it. And at some point in time, if things were to continue as they are, I'll always be a Canucks fan. I'll just be the guy that has to ask you what's going on with the team. Yeah. Sad state of affairs. Yeah. Anyhow, We'll take ourselves a short break. You're listening to the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. 
It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Take hitting out of the game. You can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on. No kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never, ever did that before. Now, why did he do it? That Because he was mad. Well, your early favorite for the Calder <laughs> Trophy, that's for sure. Elias Patterson. you might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy. <laughs> Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty. He can play. He's going to get a lot of power play time. And, yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200-point players, and we've got to find a way to score. The Vancouver Canucks are back in action Tuesday, either just before you listen to this episode, just after these listen to this episode, sometime. Uh, they're at home uh, to Chicago before heading down uh, the highway to uh, play Seattle on Wednesday night uh, and then back home to uh, take on the Blue Jackets. Now, this uh, team will have a new head coach behind the bench in, in uh, the illustrious uh, Rick Tockett. Um, he's joined by uh, Sarah Gonchar and Adam Foote, although Foote, I don't believe, is behind the bench. Is he? I no, I don't. I think he's a development coach. So, yeah. Um, uh, Yo and King are still behind the bench from what I am led to believe. Yes. I mean, Mike, Yo, like I think Grant's alluded to this, like he's a Rutherford guy. He's an Alvine guy. He's not going anywhere. I'm mm-hmm. not sure about Jason King. I think he's more just like part of the furniture at this point. But. Well, and you know, Bruce had actually had sort of said on his exit, there's some great guys here. And I, I was curious as to who you might be referring to. Cause like Jason King now, was was he not around for the green era? Did he not? And I I don't think he was like because he's the power play guy, right? Um, or I, the penalty kill guy, sorry. Um, and I don't think he was doing that the entire time, but he's been around. Yeah, like um, he's been in the organization. Like he is sort of he's been quite durable. So I think that has to speak to either. I mean being a guy, one of the guys, although I'm not suggesting that that's the case or having value, the perceived value sort of across yeah, the, uh, he, you know, organizational uh, divide, so to speak. Bruce said it more than once. Um, and he sort of stopped himself the first time from saying, Oh, they'd be idiots not to keep, you know, the staff. And then he kind mm-hmm. of said, well, like, you know, he kind of backtracked on that and not, um, and sort of said it less bluntly, but yeah, he, he was definitely um, putting, setting out a stall for his staff. Um, yeah, you have to imagine that included Trent Cole, but um, I truly feel like Trent Cole could be doing a better job elsewhere, and he probably... Well, he will now, because not here. Um, yeah. But, but in bringing Rick in, in the press conference, he talked about how um, practices are important. Like it was interesting because if there was something that we were hearing 
from the front office. Again, this isn't this isn't like speculation. It, it's not speculation when it comes out of the horse's mouth, like directly. Uh, it's not hearsay. Where a practices was issue, we had a bad camp. Um, you know, like so Rick talk and saying, "Oh, practices are important." I'm gonna, I'm telling these kids that yeah, every practice, you you got to practice hard. It's an opportunity. You got to take it. Um, he talked about how the penalty kill needs to improve, which um, is very true, right? Like he was saying a lot of things that were were true, and and you know, credit to him, he found the low hanging fruit and was picking it uh, with the uh, wild abandon. His record does not dictate that he is going to be successful. Now, I guess it's based on what measure of success are we using. Is it possible that we could see a change in how the Canucks were performing? Maybe. But what I feel is somewhat interesting is if we take a look at the last two games of Bruce Boudreaux's tenure, the the Friday night game, the team seemed to be deflated. Um, and you know, Myers sort of has said as much at the, in his post game presser, but then on Saturday you had Quinn Hughes laying out at the blue line, crashing into the boards in an effort to stop a puck from exiting while the Vancouver Canucks were down a goal. I, and I, and it was called though by Bruce and, and others, like this team was not giving up on their coach, knowing that this might be his last one. Yeah. They really wanted to win for him. Despite that lost how does talk it fix that because if if your players who arguably gave the, gave it their all ish um i feel there is one player who did yeah, their usual maybe, yeah <laughs> maybe gave up on a puck um but i don't know how rick rick changed that but hey you know what maybe maybe it does spark a, a resurgence and the vancouver canucks can play themselves into a uh you know crappy draft pick yeah, um, that's the thing. So before I get into like the wider problem of what's wrong with the Canucks, I will say like it, yeah, it's not Rick Tocchet's job to fix the Canucks as a whole. Like he can't do anything about not having Bo Horvat like beyond the trade deadline. Um, he can't do anything about JT's contract. Like he's there to fix like the way they play, but surely, you know, you could, you could argue that like, um, we've heard that JT and Bruce did not necessarily get along, at least in a coaching sense, even though JT sent him a very nice text apparently today. Um, and that Rick Tolkien might be the person coming in to fix that. Like Bruce didn't like as much as we admire Bruce as a person as a coach um JT would you'd say could continue to spiral downwards well I mean there's some that are suggesting Rick Tockett is the guy you bring in to fix JT and you know that leads to the you extended someone who's that big of a problem you needed a specific coach for them I mean I get it you've put so much of an investment into it you might as well continue to pour more money after that. But uh, I just, yeah. I don't like, I, I honestly don't know what to make of that. Like I feel that the Vancouver Canucks have painted themselves into a corner with who they chose to resign for whatever reason they chose. Yeah. 
at the time, JT Miller deserved the contract that the Canucks gave him. If you were to tell me no way in hell did he, I'm I'm talking about as if he hit the market because he gets paid. Um, yeah. Now, hindsight being 2020, maybe not so much, but at the time, it was hard to argue with the crazy money from the perspective of someone would give it to him. It was just tough as a Canucks fan to say, why would you go and tie up that much crazy money when you've been having so many issues with crazier money up till now yeah. and continue to have crazy money issues? Um, it's just the, the trickle-down effect. And I think you raised the point about Bo Horvat not being here to the trade deadline. I mean, the hot take is he's gone next week. Um, you know, and if you're, you know, Rick Dollywell doesn't believe in the Oxford comma, Thatcher Demko is going <laughs> along with them. Or that's where Bo Horvat's going is to Demko's house. I'm not entirely sure from that, uh, that tweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a bit chaotic to say the least. Um, yeah. Like something has to change and I'm not talking about like the direction the team is going in, which does also need to change. But um, I mean, you can't, continue i don't think with the dressing room like it is right um there's no way you can but again this then goes to like who's your captain right if bo gets traded you need to slap a c on someone uh maybe they don't this season but you need to slap a c on someone at some point um there was a, a reaction uh during the edmonton game where uh the the canucks bench is deflated after an yeah. Oiler goal. JT Miller is like losing his mind, smashing his stick, dropping some Fs. And I mean, it, coincidentally or not, Petey, and I think it was Quinn, glance over. Oh, it was um, Kuzmenko, yeah. It was Kuzmenko, glance over and sort of like do like yeah. the eye roll and the this head again, shake. Yeah. And you know, Faber last week when we were chatting with him, you know, he feels that, you know, Pedersen is the guy that gets the captaincy, though he he made a very strong argument for Hughes. Um, yeah, I think Hughes is definitely a better argument than Pedersen. But but then, you know, if you JT's your man and he and Petey don't see eye to eye. I haven't read the entire article yet, the JT quotes, but um, that I got today, but... Well, he did make a comment about it's a quiet dressing room, and sometimes he gets a, um, he he goes gets loud, but he he does himself a disservice because he goes overboard. So there yeah. is some self awareness to some respect in that that quote. And he says, you know, it's not him giving up on plays; it's him getting in his own head. Which you know, I I, I would be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because sometimes that's what happens, right? You get so hard on yourself that your mental game is gone and that has a drastic impact on the physical, you know, side of things, but still you are a professional. You have been in this game now who a number of years, you are perceived as a veteran. Yeah. And you're getting paid like one and you're getting paid like a leader. Like even if you're not the captain, like that amount of money and that contract that yeah, means like, you're a leader. Like, and you know, hey, if but that's the thing, you know, if this happened like one game out of forty, yeah. we've all had bad days at work. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to yell at people, but I would get ha- taking place once a week, if not more. Yeah. Hmm. 
And what I kind of stopped myself from saying in the previous section, because I think it more pertains to the future of the team and the direction. Um, when we are calling for a rebuild, we're under no illusions it's going to suck. Like, oh, watching a rebuilding team sucks. It'd be painful. It would, like, we see some dreadful hockey. We'd have some tough years, but um, overall, we'd well, see the direction. What if we get to a point, like, you're re- the idea was we'd be rebuilding around Petey and Quinn, hopefully. Um, At this point, I think if you're going to do we- a rebuild, you're not rebuilding around those two. Just not no one at all. Well, no, but like I, the thing about the rebuild, though, like if you're going to rebuild around Petey and Quinn, I mean, yeah, then that's no. that's what two years. That's yeah. not. It's it's it, like I don't. I feel the window to which they are who you rebuild your team around has closed. Those are the they like you think about the Vancouver Canucks during the West Coast Express era. There was a window with that core. That they weren't able to capitalize on for a number of reasons. Dave Nonis goes and makes a heck of a deal where portion of that course traded away to bring in a Roberto Luongo, which then sets up this team to then have Mike Gillis come in and make some further adjustments. And boom, that in like what we saw happen in the West Coast Express era enabled what took place under the Mike Gillis regime. Now, it was how many years for that to happen? Brian Burke kicked it off. Dave Nonis, unfortunately, doesn't get anywhere near the credit for being the one who brought arguably the biggest linchpin in that team in, in Roberto Luongo into play. Right? Without Roberto, the Vancouver Canucks don't get to where they are. Like yeah. I know there are people who hate Luongo for reasons to say that he's not an elite goaltender. He is an elite goaltender. And contract aside, you know, what's happened to the Vancouver Canucks since? I don't think you're wrong, but I It's okay will, if I am. <laughs> I will say that I think that kind of ventures too much into the sunk cost fallacy. That I well, think what you do is, yes, we should have started this rebuild years ago around Peter and Quinn. But I think what you do is try and just desperately get them to stay, um, burn the rest down. Well, but this, so the problem in burning the rest down is the length of time it'll take for them to burn, right? Like, you know, the bad deals that the Vancouver Canucks have on the books, I mean, there's no one out there that's going to be willing to take them, right? Like, you know, I was listening to someone ask this question on Saturday, um, uh, Sportsnet 650's uh, Canucks pregame. It's like, hey, can't we use Bo Horvat and package a bad contract to his destination? And they're saying, like, you got to consider, like, what's Bo Horvat worth? They're like, you know, optimistically, two first round picks. Maybe if there's a deal, an extension, what have you, maybe a third, like, you know, but then how, what have we seen bad contracts cost you? Well, the bad contracts cost you almost the same number. And it gets to the point where a bad contract onto Bo is no longer a desirable thing, even if it was a future, future considerations. And so if that's going to be what, it, what won't get you the deal, then who are you willing to package along with it? I mean, there are only so many names that I think be, make that money palatable. They're young and they're ones that the Canucks don't want to give up. So then what does that leave you? Buyouts. Well, you can buy out two players a season. <laughs> um, the Vancouver Canucks, if, you know, 
ownership is willing to pocket the, uh, the buyout cost, you know, let's say they go and they buy out someone like OEL. Well, his deal is such that it doesn't save you a ton of cash. Um, yeah. from there, like, are you buying out a Connor Garland? I, you know, I mean, I, maybe, uh, Mikheyev, Okay. That's a, that sucks. I mean, I think, I, I mean, and maybe they can trade them, but like this, there's so many of these things that need to occur. And while you're freeing up some money, you're not freeing up sufficient money because where are you building this team from? Are you building it from the draft? Yeah, that's the thing. Because uh, the alternative is, as, um, was it Rutherford or Olvin? Like, I mean, one and the same. One's a mouthpiece for another. Saying that they want basically reclamation projects. They want second chance NHLers. They want young <sighs> NHLers. You and that's many, alternative. Like, and you have to, like, hit on every single deal you make. They're, they're using divining that's rods trying to find gold. Yeah. Like, if you invest in draft picks, you're not going to hit every time. Of course you're not. But, like, you're giving yourself more opportunity without tying up the money. Yeah. Um, the And just to sort of point out, like, if the Vancouver Canucks were to actually buy out someone like OEL, they actually have a, a negligible cap hit next season. <laughs> um, 146000 <clears throat> Yeah. It frees up, like, $7 million. Uh, problem is... The next year, uh, that goes up to 2.3. The year after that, 4.7, 4.7. And then the remaining four years, it's 2.1 on your books. Um, I think, you know, there's some belief that the cap goes up. So maybe that's sort of the, the washout there. But, you know, I, I ownership's going to have to, you know, swallow a, a significant debt to a player who you then need to replace on the blue line. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, I just the the reclamation product quote i mean if if they can find reclamation products uh, second chances third chances and it turns out hey all the power to you that's let's thing. also buy to... some lottery tickets while we're at it cuz yeah. we may hit it b- big there too it's not just the fact that yeah it's unlikely that there's um they're all going to work out but it has to like if you're doing reclamation projects it has to work out every single time Otherwise, yeah. you're further back. Oh, which is, I, I just feel that's where the Canucks are going. But hey, you know what? Maybe I, 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 I am always happy to be proven wrong. Yeah. Prove me but, wrong. Uh, I, think I always ask for Jim to prove me wrong. So Jim, <laughs> prove me wrong. <laughs> the sad thing is you're right about what you said I am quite a bit earlier about playoffs. Like, that's just bouncing out in four games in the playoffs that's not even possible we're not getting there well this season for certain yeah exactly so it's just a the best we can hope for is mushy middle and that just sets us further back with the draft like i'm not under any illusions that like canucks lose all these games and they get bedard like maybe that'll happen but it's Oh, the Canucks could lose every game between now and the end of the season and they don't get Bedard. Even if they have the best lottery yeah. odds, they don't get Bedard. I have I said this, I think, in the last show you were on with me. I have resigned myself to the fact that the Vancouver Canucks will never have first overall pick. They had it once. They'll never have it again. Actually, did they have it once? Um, I'm not I'm, sure they uh, had. Was, the was, themes were 2-3. Yeah, well, I mean, they, so they, they did possess the first overall 
which they uh, yes. but but actually trade the one the player that came to mind is Peter Nedved but when he was second so yeah that's I don't think yeah. the Canucks have ever held, held the first overall pick and drafted with it yeah anyhow yeah but like I just would love a shot a, a decent yeah I would just love a decent draft pick this year it's such a good draft yeah um before we uh, bounce into one final segment here, back to the Tockett regime. Do you honestly see Tockett making it to the end of his contract? Because he's, he's signed a three-year deal, though in theory mm-hmm. he's on year one right now. Because arguably, if the personnel doesn't change, that you've you've seen this personnel with Travis Green, you've seen this personnel with Bruce Boudreaux, neither of which got a whole lot of success except for Bruce when he first came in. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember which of his various rounds this was on, but Frank Saravelli said, "Like, what are you like hoping for that? Um, because yeah, it sure as hell won't work this season. Who's going to be here next season to benefit from?" this relationship they've developed with Rick Tockett, like half the players will be gone. Well, presuming major surgery continues to take place. But, I mean, Bo Horvat's gone. Besser's probably gone. You're right. Yeah. So I'm not sure what. Like, Thatcher Demko because of a comma. Yeah. I just don't know what they're gaining from putting him in now rather than the end of well, the season as we talked said and rewind we haven't a clue ourselves could have been like it like the expediency is to which to get rid of bruce if 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 patrick alvin and jim rutherford honest to goodness think that it was speculation like let's give them the benefit of the doubt that they weren't going to make the decision that it was our speculation that drove them to it why not go and prove us wrong and make a point and not do it yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll take ourselves a short break here, um, but uh, we have some F's to give, just like J.T. Miller. He liked to say the F word. Oh, then get the f*** here then. Okay, see ya. He's going to have the F word on it. I wish I could give you an explanation about it. I can't. You, 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 out of here. You called me the F word. If, if, if our listeners could see the rundown, (laughs) we have four F's to give, but we're only giving three of them to the Canucks. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like I'm just gonna quickly say the Canucks ones because we've kind of gone over it and I will say quickly F Francesco Aquilini. F Patrick Alvin, F Jim Rutherford, you're all cowards. Um, you suck. Hey, what are you talking about? There's no negativity as far as Patrick Alvin is concerned. He's heard everyone's happy and it's sunshine and rainbows. Like I, I honest to goodness hope he was making a joke. I hope he thought he was being funny. Like, you know, akin to Mike Gillis trying to be funny with the Moj in thinking that it's okay to tell Moji's fat. Yeah. Like, you know, first rule of being funny be funny. Yeah. And if that's not the case, oh my God, Patrick, you got to get better people around you or learn to not talk. Jim Benning 
needed to learn not to talk. But at least Jim Benning wouldn't have gone and acknowledged that everything was sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. Anyhow, I agree with those Fs. Thank Lots you. of Fs to hand out. But the fourth F. The fourth F. Um, the one I'm going to actually talk about is F is for Florida because F, the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis. Seriously. Um, if you haven't seen it today, um, teachers across Florida are having to get rid of books um, that aren't approved by the state, basically because Ron DeSantis has made up this idea. Well, he hasn't made it up himself, but he's a subscriber to the idea of white replacement theory, which is just insane. Um, basically, just it's... And he's also targeted the NHL in that because, well, which is the widest, like, of the pro sports leagues. Yeah, be, for being woke and anti-white. And it's like it's eighty-four percent white. Like, <laughs> I so the books issue. It's not NHL related, but no. If you ever were to hear someone that were to tell you. Books are bad. We should not provide them to people. There is a reason why they don't want you to read them. It's because yeah. they're worried about free thought. Now, there are some free-thinking individuals out there who don't necessarily think very well, in, in my mind. But free thought is the one thing we all possess and we all should put to use. So the fact that the, the state of Florida – and the, I mean – DeSantis isn't the only governor out there or politician um, worldwide, but particularly in the United States and even probably up here in Canada, who's suggesting there are, are books and they, they paint it under the guise of protecting the kids and all of that. I have a five-year-old daughter. She's turning six. She is smart. She is intelligent. But what impresses me the most when she reads something, if it doesn't quite make sense in her mind, even a smidge, she asks questions. It generates yeah. critical thought. My six-year-old daughter has critical thinking skills that many people yeah. and that's, my age lack. That's what you get from reading. Like, where have you heard it before that books are dangerous? Like, Yeah, those, generally speaking, those who we talk about in these books who have said books are dangerous were pretty bad people. Yeah. And, like, there's all this stuff, even in, up in Canada, about, like, um, it's anti-LGBTQ+, you know, anti, like, drag queens, like, they're oh, the problem with indoctrination, not guns and, um, yeah, just the idea that they think they're pro-life when they're... <laughs> Do you know pro guns and anti welfare is just crazy to me. Someone had pointed out, like, why is it that the solution to bad books is not more books, but the solution to bad guns is more guns? Yeah, I know, insane. Right, like it, it's it, but, in this one particular case, more of something is the solution, which mo many people. I'm not going to say most. I'm going to say many people seem to disagree with. But when it comes to books, book bad. Anyhow, um, 
if you want to read up onto it, the NHL was holding this pathway to hockey summit. Um, the qualifications of the participants must be 18 years, years of age older, based in the United States, and identify as female, black, Asian, Pacific Islander, Hispanic, Latino, indigenous, LGBTQIA+, and or a person with a disability. Veterans are also welcome and encouraged to attend. They were attempting to diversify. And if you've been listening to our show, and I, again, it, you don't even have to listen to our show. You just have to look at the league. Yeah. Needs Diversity it. is an important piece of this puzzle. And, and yeah, I mean, it's a, a Florida governor who saw that as an opportunity to, to rile up the base because it's uh, and then discrimination it's of any sorts not welcome in the state of Florida. Mm. Yeah. If that was certainly the case, then you wouldn't necessarily have to worry. Like people who complain about discrimination yeah. going the wrong direction are often coming from a place of privilege. Yeah. And are the reason why discrimination laws are required. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say too much on this. Like, this is going to be a long episode anyway, because, um, but I will just say, like, yes, keep talking about it. And we've said that from the beginning that we need to keep talking about these issues, but don't get distracted. Like, don't start arguing with people on Twitter whether um, the NHL is really, like, anti-white or not like they're trying to you know don't get caught up in their games that's what i will say um and just keep talking about things the right way yeah um the other thing to point out nhl back down yeah i mean that, that doesn't surprise me because the nhl is very sensitive to upsetting what they perceive as the status quo yeah all right But, um, I mean, like, let's be completely frank. If the NHL doesn't back down there, what's the worst that happens in the state of Florida with the league? The fans who support the Lightning are going to continue to support the Lightning. The fans that support the um, Panthers may or may not continue to support. It may impact you in some other U.S. states. It might be a a, a spot that riles a particular, you know, demographic up. It's it's not going to move the needle. The way that the NHL will really move the needle is investing in these diversity efforts. And then that's how you grow your audience, not by acquiescing to right-wing lunatics. Exactly. And I mean, if, if, if the NHL were to have sort of said, no, we're going to continue to do this. Yeah. There, there may have been a target on them, but guess what? That target's not going to sit on the NHL because the NHL is small potatoes in the United States in, in, especially in the Southern States. That target is going to shift now, you know, maybe the NHL doesn't necessarily want the negative attention, but it's going to then grow and encompass the bigger sports that do draw attention, right? Like it's, it just, it felt to me that the NHL had an opportunity to, to, to stand from a position of leadership Mm -hmm. and they chose passivity and I'm, you know, it's unfortunate because to your point, the league needs to diversify and steps to promote diversity should be embraced. I mean, it's amazing how we never even got into the fact that, you know, the Philadelphia Flyers had a player who publicly said, I don't support this, uh, you know, pride initiative due to religious reasons. And yes. speaking of acquiescing, Tort said, good on you for standing up yeah, for your be, beliefs. Be true to yourself. You know what? It, it, I, 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 will, I will accept that, you know what? He chose to be true to himself, but your truth and 
is not necessarily going to, you know, negate the negative light that you're, 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 that's shown on you. Like, I, I, I honest to goodness don't understand how colors are such a threat to, to people. Like, I mean, outside of hockey, uh, Pink Floyd's celebrating an anniversary and, uh, apparently Pink Floyd's gone woke because an album cover of light hitting a prison, which this is science light hits a prism. And suddenly we see the visible light spectrum separate Yeah, this concept called Roy which we again learned in school, but if it's not in books, maybe you're not learning it in school anymore. I don't know. Apparently is woke. Science is woke. Color is like, how is this a scary concept? I mean, ugh. yeah, no, but they, I mean, all these people will keep throwing back the hockey's for everyone slogan and just saying, well, if hockey's for everyone, it shouldn't have space for Ivan Provorov and his belief. But his version of hockey, his belief system excludes other people. Um, LGBT fans' version of hockey excludes no one. Like, it's for. Yeah. You know, if anything, like, and this is the thing is like, there was a lot that was said about, well, the Flyers have been in as an organization, one that has embraced, like you can play and, and these initiatives. And I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I know nothing to claim otherwise. And I completely uh, accept that that I might mean, be the case. They do because I mean, um, Patrick Burke used to be a scout there. Um, yeah. and he's a co-founder of you can play. So yes. Right. But, but so. what I think is missed here is that they have a player that's harming their ability to promote the message. Like, you know, it, it, it goes along the saying that the, 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 the sum of a team is an equation of all of its parts. You know, the, the weakest point in a, a chain is that weak link. And then again, you have a player who chose, which is well within his right to do so to simply say for religious reasons, I don't support this. Okay. That's fine. Here's how we feel about it. Because again, free thought, that's what's, that's important here. I mean, and I feel that you and I come from a progressive stance of inclusivity. Yeah. And yeah, maybe our inclusivity might say someone like that should be excluded. No, be included, be part of this. I'm not, you know, like how is this? Like, is it's like, oh, this promotes this, then that promotes that. Ah, the logical, um, uh, or the, was it the fallacy lot? logic trap or whatever it's called a logical mm-hmm. fallacy. I can remember where it's yeah. the chain of events. No. Yeah. yeah. It sucks. The whole thing sucks. Yeah. F it all. Oh man. Look at that. The C4. I actually had contemplated rebranding us um, yesterday, just becoming the C4 hockey podcast. <laughs> like I, I was actually, cause I mean, our, our updated logo is just C4. Um, I was, I was like, or do I, do I strike through Canucks? Do I just call us the C4 podcast, which we are on Twitter? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. (sighs) I mean, the sad thing is I do still care. Yeah, I do too. And I know that I'm not going to make myself happy by pretending I don't. Well, I'm. 
Yeah, I there are I, there are many who have said, "Oh, I'm no longer going to be a Canucks fan. I need to find a new team to cheer for." And I'm all for anyone cheering for whatever team they want for whatever reasons they want to cheer for them. Yeah. I just can't be that guy. And like I, I have seen others like, "Oh, you're so hypocritical. You're such a Fairweather fan." Who ever has the right to tell you who to cheer for? Like, I mean, Anna, if you want to go and cheer for the Boston Bruins, all of a sudden, have at it. I'll call you out. <laughs> but cheer for them. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. Like kind of going back to what I said at the beginning, I'm still a fan of the Canucks. Um, I'm embarrassed, um, of how the management's behaved. I, but I did nothing wrong. So I'm not going to taint my fandom with any bad feelings. I'm just going to say, I, well, I thought we already better. decided you did something wrong. You left okay, and it I threw left. the entire organization into disarray true but as i mean there was a whole with, lot of things going wrong before you left but it was the final straw with everything and everything that we've just talked about i hope they do better and that's all yes. i have to say yeah. oh man speaking of doing better um hopefully the podcast is a little more positive next week i mean we'll have had a week of games under a new head coach um you know Bruce sort of set it up that, uh, you know, why did they make the decision when they made it? Well, hey, I got us through the gauntlet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he might have been on to something here. So who knows? Maybe things will have turned around. Um, maybe we'll rebrand ourselves as the z and next playoffs podcast again because, oh, my God, I'm giving up hope of anything else. I, I'm not, I don't want the playoffs. I, I Honest to goodness, if this team goes on a run, I'll just be so dis- so depressed, which is, I know, stupid of me to say, but... I've accepted that this team needs some critical fixes and success is a horrible mask to the, the warts that remain. That was poetic. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I, I wonder if I say things and then I see a look in your face and decide if I put my foot in my mouth, which is very No, no, I was just case. impressed with your phrasing. Oh, but uh, we will be back next week. Um, I had I tried to, you know, finagle a third voice today because I thought it would be good to have a third voice, although it's quite likely going to have been a third voice that have been the same as the two of us. Um, we are <laughs> yeah. going to continue to go and, and get other voices on the show. Um, I know Faber uh, had talked about uh, what's going down there in Abbotsford, and he had floated the idea of a, a super show with you, him, and Cody, which I think would be a phenomenal yeah. idea. I think that's um, going to have to happen sometime soon. I don't know if it can involve me because I don't follow anything down in Abbotsford. I trust you and everything that you tell me. So if you were to tell me that they're now called the Abbotsford Johnnies, I'd be like, totally, they rebranded mid-season. Cool. Yeah. This, is that is that okay? I'm presuming that <laughs> that is something that means yeah, something else. It does. It does, but I'll let you um, Google on. No, no, there are things that I don't like. I'm 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 at that age where um, there are things people tell me to Google that I know that's that's just bad news. When someone says, "Oh, you should Google that," no, no, don't need to. <laughs> not that important to know the answer because I'll just trust that it's not good. Oh, I was trying to refer to Johnny Canuck, okay? Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Let's just move on. Like, Let's our, quit it. it we're, <laughs> we're at the point of the show that if you've reached this stage, you probably need to laugh. I'm presuming that when someone refers to a Jimmy, it could also be a Johnny. 
No, I don't know what that is. Really? Oh, man, when someone pulls maybe. a jimmy out? I <laughs> Maybe it's the same thing? Uh, okay, I mean, it could be. It could be that it's evolved. Okay. You know? But all um, our British listeners are laughing. Let me just well, start. okay. And I mean, I, we do well in the UK, so not anymore, I guess. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be a great idea for them to rebrand as the Abbots for Johnnies. <laughs> yeah? You think it would uh, uh-huh. really amp up the, the overseas uh, engagement? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I mean, this is the podcast that uh, would have pivoted into the Make and Whoopi show, so... True. I'm I'm disappointed that that team no longer exists because I know. we it's could have we could have, I would have been more than willing to record like a recurring uh, segment called making you know yeah. the making whooping whoopee show or something like that right yeah maybe okay. maybe we should you know maybe you and I should have another podcast called the making whooping show where we just talk about like the historical context of the team this week of a year or something like that. Yeah, I might have to call HR again, but. <laughs> so sorry. Um, speaking of other things, uh, support our show, please, because that's uh, <laughs> obvious I need it. Um, if you are interested in, in keeping the lights on, um, all of the ads that you listen to when they are played on the show do not go to us, unfortunately. Uh, they go to the Benevolent Full Press Coverage Network, who is our host. But how you can support us financially, if you'd like to, is by going to support.c4podcast.com. That'll take you over to buy me a coffee where you can either choose to support us on a once in a while thing where you can drop a, a pint or two our way. Or alternatively, you can support us through a monthly membership. And in doing so, that just ensures that, uh, well, you know, gives us an opportunity to plan um, our own sort of you know book, so to speak. But then... Um, as well, if you were to sign up before the end of this month, gets you a uh, fancy dancy sticker, uh, a, an exclusive C4 sticker, I should add. But uh, yeah, uh, support.c4podcast.com is where to go. Uh, Discord, join the conversation on Discord, discord.o slash C4 podcast. And yeah, any final words of wisdom there, Anna? Um, watch the baby connects instead. They're fun. Yes, the Abbots for Johnny's. <laughs> exactly. So on behalf of Anna, A4603, myself, Chris, at Lightforce, signing off this episode of not the Making Whooping Show, but the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com with We Out.